few announcements to share. One is that we have the June, July, August daily breads. They're out on the counter there and on the table on the other side of that wall. And uh, the offering box is now over there. And on the side, there are offering envelopes. There's also offering envelopes and a pen up here if you need it. And so that's how we'll be taking the offering from now on. And I think uh, one more, June 5th potluck. And so uh, that'll be right after church. And uh, looking forward to getting things back into a more normal fellowship and and uh, sharing time. In the way of prayer, uh, we want to uh, pray for uh, Lee uh, Pollard. Uh, she had a fall which uh, shattered her uh, femur in her left leg, and as a result, and, and multiple fractures, and so as a result, they had to put in a plate and then put the bones back together in the plate, so it was a, quite an extensive surgery, and uh, she'll be, uh, she's at Granada Rehab uh, on Harris Street, not too far from the Safeway on Harris, on the same side, and she's in room 113, and she can have visitors. So, uh, you do have to still wear a mask there, but uh, you're invited to visit or send her a card or anything like that. She would appreciate it. And she's going to be there probably for a while. She can't put any pressure. At this point, the doctor said possibly up to three months before she's going to be able to actually put pressure on it. So, pray for her as she goes through rehab that she can get strong fast. And... uh, we want to also continue to pray for Ralph and Jacob Johnson and family. Uh, Karen's memorial is on June 11th at 1 p.m. at the Journey Church in Rio Dell. And uh, also, I want to pray for the families that were impacted by the shooting in Buffalo, New York. Uh, just uh, never ceases to amaze me the bizarreness of things that are going on. And we just uh, pray for them. And there was ten people that were... Uh, lost their lives, and uh, three more uh, seriously wounded. So uh, just be praying for uh, those families. Um, Any other things we need to add to our prayer list this morning? Yes. Eighth grade trip to Medford. Special blessings on them. Anything else? Okay, just one other thing is the the, the weather that we've been having has uh, the fluctuated up and down with the barometric pressure and the moisture in the air and all this kind of stuff. People who have chronic uh, pain and, and skeletal problems, uh, just in general, there's a number of them in our congregation, and just uh, to pray that God would touch their bodies and uh, bring them strength and relief. So, let's uh, pray together. Father, we we come to You, Lord, bringing our hearts before You, the needs of our congregation. We think of Ralph and Tara, or Jacob and Tara, and and, uh, just the the kids and and the extended family. And we ask, Lord, that You would be with them as only You can. Bring them strength, bring them comfort. And, uh, Father, we again thank You for the confidence we have in Karen's knowing You and that personal faith that she has with You, 
but she's face to face where we would like to be. And we just ask that you administer to the family uh, and, and Lord, also to uh, those families in Buffalo, New York, just be with them as again as only you can. Bring people alongside them to minister to them, to uh, pray with them, to meet their needs in every way, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you would also be with Lee as she recuperates from this surgery. We ask for a supernatural healing in the sense of her being able to get ahead of this and, and uh, that she will be doing exactly what the therapists tell her to do and uh, that she would be able to get uh, back on her feet even sooner than the doctor anticipated. And again, Lord, we thank You for the opportunity to pray and bring these needs to You. We think of Alan and Naomi and the 8th grade trip to Medford, we ask, Lord, they, I know they were on the road this morning and, and uh, we just ask that You'd keep them safe. Allow them to have a really, really good time. Bring them home safe. And Father, as we open Your Word this morning, we ask that You would open our hearts and our minds to receive from You exactly what we need where we are in our walks with You. And again, we say thank You for Your Word that reveals You and, and tells you tells us how to uh, worship You, and to draw close to You. And again, we thank You for the opportunity to be together this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, we're continuing in chapter uh, 12 of Romans, uh, looking at that list uh, that in some of your Bibles might be uh, labeled at verse 9, the marks of the true Christian, or the marks of a Christian. And... Uh, we're, been, we're looking through verses 9 through 21, and today we'll be in verse 12. And the, uh, in order to, to understand, uh, again, this, this whole context, uh, we're going to continue to remind you where we begin with this in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And just uh, that, that picture of to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, uh, uh, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. This is something acceptable to Him. Spiritual worship. This is the key to this because spiritual worship is what we start to put into practice when we start looking at these marks of a Christian starting in verse 9. And so, this idea of, of, of spiritual worship is, is our understanding who God is, coming to know Him and the way He would have us be, is to take us out of the world and cause us to understand that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. If we confess Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. We are no longer in the world or of the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. And, and so, uh, we are looking at this and, and saying, uh, we want to, to be seeking after the Lord in order that we would not be conformed to the world, but transformed. And again, he uses this phrase, the renewing of your mind. It starts in by the way we think. That's where God begins with this. You know, a lot of times we think, if I'm just good long enough, I'll catch it up here. And, and he's saying, no, that's backwards. Get it up here and then let the, it work through as to who you are and what you do. So, uh, the idea is 
uh, as we look at verse 9, that idea of being filled with the, uh, the knowledge of God's will uh, is, is, is to be continuously filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay, so now verse 9 uh, is, is where we have this, let love be genuine. And that is the, almost like you could say the title of this list. All of the rest of these things that go through verse 9 through 21 are how to put our love out in a genuine format, in a way that is genuine in our worship to God and genuine in the way we minister one to another. And so, uh, you look at, at, at this idea of let your love be genuine, abhor what is evil, uh, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. And then today's verse, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and constant in prayer. I, I want to take a, a kind of a side here in the sense that uh, this idea of renewing our mind is something that uh, if you would turn to Colossians uh, chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. There's an important picture that Paul gives us here that has to do with this renewing of our mind. Look at verses 9 and 10, Colossians chapter 1. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul's saying, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. The knowledge, again, something that's starting up here. And, and it's in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk, listen to this again, in a manner that's worthy of the Lord, pleasing to Him, bearing fruit, all of which increases the knowledge that you have of God and takes you right back to verse 9 in the beginning, filled with the knowledge. In other words, it's a cycle. We don't, we don't reach a plateau and all of a sudden you say, okay, I've got it. It's an ongoing process as we go through this. In fact, these two verses are, are called by some uh, commentators the Colossian cycle. And the idea is, is that we never cease to grow and understand. So that we come to that point where sometimes you'll be reading in, in the Old Testament and all of a sudden you'll realize, man, that's exactly what it says over here in, in, in Philippians or something. And you'll say, this goes with that. And you're connecting, again, a little bit more of your understanding of God's Word and His consistency within His Word. So being filled with the knowledge and, and to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord uh, is what Colossians talks about. Now come back to Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where it's talking about, again, this idea of, of, of being transformed and the renewing of our mind. There is an assumption that Paul is making in chapter 12. And that assumption is that you have made a response 
to all that he has said through chapters 1, 1 through 11. Chapters 1 through 11. And I might suggest to you just to, to if you want to mark these verses down, uh, uh, it's called the Roman Road. And these are the highlights of these, the, of the, the chapters 1 through 11. Chapter 1 talks about how the world is corrupt and fallen. Chapter 3 talks about uh, how we all fall short of the glory of God. Like sheep, we've all gone astray. We've all sinned. And chapter 6, verse 23 says, the wages of sin is death. And chapter 5, 8 talks about the fact that Christ went to the cross before we ever confessed Him. And as a result, we go back to chapter 6, verse 23, the second part of it, and see the free gift of, of God is eternal life. Chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 talks about the fact that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And if you do this, you will be saved. And then flip back to chapter 8. talks about what the kind of relationship that brings for us. First off, it starts right off 8 verse 1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ has taken the judgment for us. We are at peace with God. We're joint heirs with Jesus. It's a powerful picture. And so this is what Paul has assumed as he's putting this together as he says, you know, uh, to be conformed, to be transformed. It's a process that's starting. And it started already as you've gone through what he has written. So again, some of these changes, let your love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. You recall when we went through that was the idea of, of hating what is evil. The things that are offensive to God. The holding fast to what is good. Where do we find what is good? In His Word. We don't depend on our culture to tell us what is right and what is wrong. We depend on His Word to tell us this. As a result, even now we, as we watch the news, there's a lot of discussion about what is right and what is wrong within the framework of laws and things that deal with like abortion and other issues. And, and so... What we are to do is to look at the Word of God and what it says. And we are to love and, and have honor for one another. And the, the words for love here, uh, when uh, Brad Gill was sharing with us, he was talking about the reality that it's the kind of familial love, the family love, that the Greek speaks about. It's not the agape love, although that we're told in other places to have for one another. That's the unconditional love. But this is the close family relationship type of love with brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, uh, fathers and children, uh, mothers and their children. The idea of of this relationship of, of closeness as a family. We as a church are to have that. And then we are to be serving the Lord, verse 11, with passion. Not slothfully, but with passion, with zeal, fervently. And the idea of serving, again, is not volunteering. It's being ready to do what God asks you to do. You can serve by volunteering, yes. But the idea is, is that you know, some people, we, we kind of develop within the church that attitude. Oh, I volunteered for that. I've done my duty. I, I'm off for a year. There's no time off for serving the Lord. It's a constant thing that we are to be involved in. And it may change in different ways through a year and through our lifetime. 
but it's to be a constant thing. Looking for the opportunity to serve where God opens the door. And then we have the picture here for today in chapter 12, or verse 12. Re- rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. And be constant in prayer. To rejoice, first off, understand this word is, is again, we don't see it in the, in the, the, the English language as, as clearly as if you had it in the Greek. Maybe some of you are familiar with other foreign languages as well, like uh, Spanish or French, where their, their adjectives have endings on them that let you know whether, you know whether it's talking about something that you do once or that you continually do, it's ongoing, this type of thing. And here, the word rejoice is, is put together in such a way in the Greek language that it means continuous. You, uh, in other words, it's not something that you, you, you do here and there, but it's to be a constant. Think of what Paul wrote into the Philippians in chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Clap, clap. Uh, for all you kids, people that teach kids. And uh, this idea of, of it's a constant thing that we're called to do. First uh, Thessalonians uh, says in chapter 5, Rejoice without ceasing. Or rejoice always, excuse me. Rejoice always. Constant. And you look at this and you say, but, but look at the condition of the world. How can I rejoice with the way the world is around me? Look what's going on in Europe. Look what's going on uh, in, in other places and, and, and the, the tragedies and the, 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 the different things that are happening. And how can I rejoice? Well, what we're rejoicing in, it says, is in hope. Continuously rejoicing in hope. Our hope isn't based on the things of the world. We've gone through this when we went through First Peter. We have a living hope. Jesus Christ and His promises. The things He's told us that He is going to do for us. He has promised eternal life. He's told the disciples that, that, that He says, there there's mansions that are being built for you. You've got a place that you're going to go. There's a, a marriage feast. There's eternal life in the presence of God the Father. And all of this purchased for us through Jesus Christ on the cross. And so we have this hope of what is yet to come. So we're looking forward. There's even a Scripture that says, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. Come soon. We're we're to long for it to come. And, And with the confidence that if we die before the second coming of Christ occurs, we will be with Him. And people ask me, how soon are we with Him? Do we soul sleep and all these kind of things? Let me share with you quickly. I believe it's instantaneous. We close our eyes here and open our eyes with Him. And some people will say, well, how do you get that? Well, one thing Paul says, to live as Christ, to die as gain, implying it's something that happens very quickly. Uh, but even more so, Jesus said something Himself on the cross when He was speaking to the thief that, that was worshiping Him. And, and the thief said, basically... You know, take me with you to where you're going. And Jesus said, this day, not next week, not next month, not after a long nap, you know, 
This day you will be with Me in paradise. And so we have this picture of what we long for, we hope for. And it's something that we know is going to be ours. And so we rejoice in the hope. We rejoice continuously. Or another part of this word would be to rejoice exceedingly, uh, fervently again, passionately, with zeal. In Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 1, just to, to go along with this, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, to be at peace with God means that there's no penalty left to be paid. It's been taken care of. We weren't at peace with God until we accepted Jesus as our Savior. But once Jesus Christ is our Savior, once we've been saved, confessed with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus is the Christ raised from the dead, once that has occurred, we are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we, all, we have also obtained access by faith into His grace in which we stand. And we rejoice, here again this idea, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We rejoice. We have this hope. And even according to what he says here in Romans and what he also says in Romans chapter 12, even when there's tribulation, even when there's difficulties, even when there's trials, even when there's suffering, we still have this hope. And so Paul writes very clearly here, uh, is we rejoice in hope and we are patient in tribulation. This idea of being patient means to endure, to, to go through it and endure it. And we do it at, at the point that we're rejoicing in the hope that Christ has, has given us. And so we can endure tribulation. And this word tribulation, uh, it, who, who wants tribulation? Nobody really is sitting here asking for it. And God doesn't tell us to go out and ask for it uh, or to, to looking for it. It's going to come our way. The, the idea of, of, of tribulation is the idea of, of, of uh, pressure Something of, of great pressure, almost like the thing of, of, of pushing two things together and, 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 and a tight squeeze. And the thing that came to my mind, I, I'm a woodworker. I, I uh, you know, gluing things together with wood clamps. And, and you sit there and you, you twist the handles until the, until the boards are so tight together that there's, there's very little air left for where the glue is. And it will dry and be tight. And sometimes, in fact, in most cases, the, the seam that has been glued is actually tighter than the grain of the wood. If that wood is going to break someplace, it will normally break next to the glue seam, but it won't break at the seam. And that's this idea of pressing something together. Okay? It's, it's extreme pressure. 
uh, the, in the Greek literature, it's a metaphor. Uh, it's used, uh, the idea of tribulation is used for the idea of oppression, being oppressed by a people or a government or a, an army, uh, to be in distress, to be suffering. I wrote down here, inevitably, every person experiences tribulation. And this is, again, some people, uh, as they, they strive to walk with Christ, uh, they, they get the idea that everything is supposed to eventually somehow work out to where everything is, I use uh, a, a picture from Stuart Briscoe, hunky-dory on the way to glory. You know, is everything supposed to be at peace in, in, in this world, in this life? That's not what, is, what happens. We in this life are going to have trials and tribulations. Jesus told us very distinctly, we're going to have trials and tribulations. Uh, and every person is going to experience it. Why? Because we live in a fallen world and we are still encapsulated in this fallen flesh. There isn't one of us whose flesh is not in the process of decay. I know that sounds gross, and it, you know who wants to admit? It? I the one thing that I've learned over the years is that it's an interesting thing: is your brain cells don't reproduce. You know, your other cells, you know, you know, heal and, and this type of thing, but your brain cells they just scar, you know, and and they don't heal, and uh, so we're in the process of, of decay. And that's why as we get older, it gets harder to remember things and, and all of this type of stuff. And so there is a form of, of, of suffering that will hit us all. I, I put down here a list of you know, sickness, accidents, death as we approach it. Cancer, I, I wrote down in, in, the, in the area of sickness, is such an ugly disease. And and so and 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 we find so many people we know uh, that that contract cancer and, and have battles with it, and uh, some of them successful, others not. And I and I started looking in scripture. I was thinking, okay, well, just make a quick list, Bob, of of, of who had suffered in scripture. What are some of the names of of, of, of biblical characters that you know suffered in scripture? What's one of the first ones that might come to mind, especially if you teach kids? Job? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, how about Daniel? How about Joseph? Yeah, all of these in the, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Steve, uh, Stephen or Stephen, depending on how you, you want to pronounce it and which Bible translation you have. But he, he was executed by being stoned to death. And, and uh, Paul... I mean, he he was he'd been stoned, he had been whipped, he'd been gotten the, the forty lashes less one multiple times. He'd been shipwrecked three times. All of the things that he went through. Uh, I looked at, at Peter and the apostles. All of them suffered a, a, an execution death, except one, and he suffered physically as well, and that was John, the Apostle John, where he was put in prison. He was left alone. He had situations that came up that I'm sure were difficult for him. And so the reality is is that suffering is a part of living in this life. 
So how we suffer, Paul's saying, rejoice in the hope you have even in the midst of your suffering. By the way, that's how our witness is put out in, within the framework of the people around us. Peter talks about people coming up and saying, I don't understand how you maintain a smile or how, how you maintain this or do this with all that's gone on and happened. You know, and, and Peter, uh, Peter says, be ready to give your testimony. Be ready to share what Christ has done for you and where your hope is and why it's there. This idea of also of being constant in prayer. I'm cautious as to how I, I go about explaining this because there are we have some uh, historically within the framework of of uh, the history of the church we have some amazing, for lack of better words, prayer warriors, men and, and women who uh, would pray for days, who would pray for hours every day. Um, and and God has called them to that ministry. That is part of their ministry. It is part of their service. But we are all called to pray, and this is again where I, I, I started to mix this up a minute ago. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Pray without ceasing. Continuously in prayer. And I, I have to look at that, and, and, I'm, and the rest of us look at it and say, How is that possible? Well, first off, it's the reality that if the, if the Roman road has happened to you, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you. And what our prayer needs to be, Lord, I want to have Your eyes today. Lord, I want to have Your ears today. And, if, and as, as I look at the world the way You see it, as I hear the words in the, of the people as, as you hear them, give me the words to bring comfort. It's a matter of attitude. It's not a, a actually like being on your knees 24 hours a day. It's being in an attitude of being receptive to what God is doing so that you happen to be driving down the street and somebody's on the side of the road and, and, and uh, you, you know, maybe you don't, you're not thinking or having the, 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 the thought that you, God needs you to stop for them, but He might be putting in your heart to pray for them. Maybe you pass a house of somebody in church and, and, and just for whatever reason you realize, oh, that's, that's George's house. And, and, just, and, and, and you just think about it for a second and say, Lord, I lift George up to you. We don't always know what the need is. But we can come and say, Lord, I bring so-and-so to You and ask that You would bless them, meet them where they're at today. We're to pray for our families. We're to pray for our church. We're to pray for the people that are in need. And so we want to see with God's eyes, hear with God's ears, and then pray for God's words to be given to us. Again, back in chapter 5, we read the first five verses. I'd like to pick up 
Now, where uh, I left off, we can start with verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. And this is the fifth part of the Roman road here. But God shows His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God. He is our hope. We rejoice in Him. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We've been reconciled with God. We are at peace with God. I look at that as, as, as kind of summing this whole thing up. To, to be in a relationship with God where our life is being transformed, where there's a renewing of our mind going on. And, and so, as we enter into even communion, the idea of communion is, is a growing experience. There are things that, that, that come to you as you're reading Scripture and, and you realize, oh, I, I didn't even see that before. I didn't know that before. I haven't heard it before. And, and you, you get this freshness of feeling. And then the other side of it is always knowing what God has done for us. Communion represents our hope in Jesus Christ. It's what He has done. And He, he made it very clear that the very end of, of sharing communion with His disciples was, I won't do this again until I what? Return. And so he, as we share communion, we're sharing not only what He has done, but what He is yet going to do. We are resting in the hope that we have in Christ. So I'd ask the uh, worship team to come up and, and, and uh, for our communion song. We have... I, I wasn't... You know, it's one of those things, you don't know how many people are going to be here, but I have in this one... There's a few of the uh, packets left, and then there are the uh, other, uh, which is the the bread in one cup with a cup on top of it with the with the uh, uh, the grape juice. And so, uh, feel free to come up and take one. Uh, it's, we're still doing the self serve, <laughs> and uh, take one. And and if you want to take one for someone else that's sitting down, feel free to do that. And uh, we'll share communion in a few minutes together.
Gospel of Luke, he records the Lord's Supper with these words. And when the hour came, Jesus reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us share the bread together. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, again we come to You and say thank You. Thank You for what You have done through the cross, through the grave, through Your resurrection, through Your ascension. The reality that You, King of kings, Lord of lords, the right hand of God, our Savior, our Lord, we are blessed to know that we have eternal life. We ask, Lord, that You would give us not only the confidence to rest in that continuously, but to be prepared to share it with others as given the opportunity. We worship and praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand as we close?
Thank you for being here this morning. And uh, we have some refreshments in the back if you have a few minutes to stay, stay and share. And uh, have a wonderful rest of the day. This is my story, this is my song.